0: Welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast presented by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. Each episode brings you into the library to meet our collection of people making an impact on the community of Athens and Limestone County, Alabama.
1: Welcome to an episode of Between the Stacks. My name is Jennifer Baxter. I'm the library director with Athens-Limestone County Public Library, and I'm sitting here with Miss Emily Klim, and we are going to talk to you today about the book, Dopamine Nation. And we're in this room because I actually was listening to Dr. Anna Lemke on the Joe Rogan podcast. And the conversation on the podcast was super interesting. And I happened to have just started the book at the same time. So I posted it on Facebook and mm-hmm. you commented on it that mm-hmm. you were going to read it. And then from there, we blossomed into this
0: podcast. Yes. So welcome, Emily. Thank you. This was a topic that was amazing, I thought. As a retired science teacher, I like studying a process and I like understanding the mechanics of how something works. And she applies this to addiction, to more than addiction, happiness and sadness. Right. A balance of life. Right. And that appeals to me. And I, since I've read the book, I have thought back on it so many times and made connections with what she was saying, this is the way things work. Mm -hmm. And, oh, that's why this happens, and that's why that happens. I like that. I do too. I'm I'm a very abstract thinker, and
1: I'm way more kind of, stuck in reality versus a science person, but I like how science maybe um, classifies and orders things. Yes, Because I am so abstract, the action of that helps me grasp the concepts and be able to relay those to other people more easily. That's what science is all about. (laughs) Cool. That's helpful for someone like me. Uh Um, So Dopamine Nation is written by Dr. Anna Lemke, and I actually printed out kind of her credentials because I thought it was important to understand mm-hmm. who the author is and what she's done and why should we be listening to her when she's writing this book. Um, she received her undergraduate degree in humanities from Yale University and her medical degree from Stanford University. She is currently professor and medical director of Addiction Medicine, Stanford University Medical School. She's also the program director of the Stanford Addiction Medicine Fellowship and the chief of the Stanford Addiction Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic. So, I guess if we were ever going to listen to anybody about addiction, she seems she's the, the expert. Expert. she's the one.
0: Yeah. Well, what did you think of the book? First of all, I have the real book. You said you yes. read it online. Actually, I Actually, listened to it. Okay. Uh, one thing I like about having a real book, especially when it's nonfiction, mm-hmm. is looking at the organization of the book. So when I first opened the book, what I realized was this is big print. Oh, I like big print. Hmm. And when you look at how long the book is, uh, it's about 300 pages, but about 50 pages of that is in notes. Again, nonfiction. This is important to me. Right. She has an introduction where she tells you what she's going to tell you mm-hmm. in the body of the book, mm-hmm. and at the end, there's a little 10 point summary. So she tells you what she told you. I like it. That's a teaching strategy. Yeah. If you want someone to learn a concept, that's how you do it. Cool. All right, so another interesting thing about
1: Dopamine Nation, and I'm not 100% why she decided to do this, but she actually has, um, what is it when every letter stands for something, mnemonic device? Okay. So she has one for dopamine, and this is talking about um, addictions. All right, mm-hmm. so D is for data, and she says to be radically honest about what you're doing. O is for objectives. Figure out why you turn this to habit or addiction. P is for problems. What kind of problems is this behavior causing in your life? A is for abstinence. Could you ditch this habit for a different habit? Could you ditch this habit for a month, she says. This is an important step to help you reset your brain. So if you can quit it for a month, then perhaps it's not an addiction. M is for mindfulness. This is especially key in the first few weeks of abstinence when you feel worse before you feel better. I is for insight. After abstaining from your dopamine-boosting habit, you'll undoubtedly get additional insight as to how it was impacting your life. So you're looking backwards for insight. N is for next steps. Uh, Once you made it through your month, think about whether you'd like to reintroduce that as a habit in your life or not. And E is for experiment. This is where you go back to the habit and you look to see if you're better equipped to
0: bring it back into your life or not. And she applies this to her own addiction, Mm -hmm. which was romance novels. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I taught a child one time, an eighth grade girl, and the mom came to school and said, I'm worried about her. All she does is read these paperback romances. And the mother had taken away the books from her, and she always seemed to find more. And she knew she was being negligent with her studies and that kind of thing, and that it was really affecting her life. Yeah. So we think of that as, oh, what a harmless little addiction. Right. But then she describes how she was staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. Reading these romances, and they got increasingly a little on the – dirty side. Right, right. right. Um, so it's, it, you know, I thought that was interesting that she identified her own yeah. addiction to something that, you know, we don't always think of as being yeah. addictive. And I
1: think we, you and I maybe talked about this a little bit before, because what you just said is we may be doing a behavior that we don't traditionally find as an addiction, but mm-hmm. it is impacting our lives. Um, I, I tried to think about what I was addicted to. Like, what can I be addicted to when reading this book, you know? But I think while I don't think I'm necessarily addicted to anything, I think I have the
0: capacity to become addicted if I were to let myself. I think we all could. And she says that poor people and uneducated, she mentions that also, anybody in a what I think of is just a bad place mm-hmm. um, is more likely to be mm-hmm. addicted. To something they're more sensitive to addictions mm. well and her list of addictions this was based on an experiment with rats uh, chocolate sex nicotine cocaine amphetamine in that order mm. that's the order of addiction for the rat in a box anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> chocolate if you say chocolate is the first one well, it's the amount of dopamine released, to be a little more oh, specific in a scientific way. Um, sex is twice as much dopamine, nicotine, three times as much, cocaine, four times as much, amphetamines, 20 times as Whoa. much. Wow. That's a lot. And then the other things she lists here, social media, gaming, porn, mm-hmm. and shopping. Yeah, shopping
1: is on my list. Mm-hmm. And I, like recently, definitely social media. I think I'm moving into that realm. Is right there. Uh-huh. And you tell yourself, oh, I'm just going to look this one thing up on my phone. And all of a sudden, you're on Facebook. And you're like, this is not what I was supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. Have uh-huh. you watched the, um, the social media, the social network? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that? That was kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. So basically they're building all of these algorithms specifically to get us addicted to right. these things.
0: And I thought, okay, can I go to Facebook and just look at the ones I really want to look at and ignore the rest? Mm-hmm. That's very hard to do. Yeah. And but you just hard to do. scrolling mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and before you know it an hour has I passed.
1: Know. So we're having these kinds of conversations at work because a lot of books and documentaries and ideas are coming out about this type of stuff. So Dave Eggers just released, he wrote The Circle, and uh, I didn't read that or watch the movie, but he came out with a sort of quasi-sequel, which is called The Every, and one of our employees just read it. It's just come out. We have it here. The Every, and it talks about the future of our society once we really let technology creep into our lives as it is currently doing you know so i have found myself talking about this exact thing a lot lately ever since really that documentary on netflix came out
0: and we hear about that a lot but it's really hard to push back the technology in oh our yeah lives.
1: So And I don't think that we're going to. I think we're going to have to be hyper-aware and cognizant Mm -hmm. and find
0: ways to navigate it and protect ourselves. And, in fact, she made a statement early in the book that we evolved in scarcity, but we live in plenty. Yes. Of that list of things, everything, let's see, chocolate, sex, nicotine, cocaine, amphetamine, social media, gaming, porn shopping, how many of those things were a problem 300 years ago oh do maybe just one yeah, six. <laughs> yeah I don't know when chocolate came along yeah. um, but uh, the other things yeah although yeah. you know the addictive drugs have been around opium has yeah. been around a long time that's true But I don't know if it was, like, manufactured and available in such
1: mass quantity. Right. Right. Yeah, I was reading about her on NPR uh, interview with Dr. Anna Lemke, and this is the whole premise behind her research and the book. Pleasure and pain are processed in the same part of the brain, and they always want to be in balance. Think of it like a seesaw, with pleasure on one side and pain on the other. If you are constantly doing things that make you feel good in the moment, like your chocolate, nicotine, shopping, all of that... um, that's boosting your dopamine. And if you're constantly doing that, the brain will overcorrect by tilting the balance on the side of the pain. So what she's saying is that the constant pleasure actually is the root cause of the pain. And she talks about how to combat that, and it's actually to participate in a little bit of pain.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, and the book has a whole lot of illustrations. Yeah. She has a whole lot of um, seesaw illustrations, pain versus pleasure. Yeah. And one thing I had to come to realize was by pain, that included want. Oh, like the absence of the pleasure? Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Needing something. Yeah. Came on the pain side. Hmm. And she talked about little gremlins. Oh, yeah. I remember that would That would come part. and sit on the pain <laughs> side. Yeah. And in one, uh, there were so many little gremlins. There was a U-Haul truck and a... Lazy boy chair, you know, like they were really moving in.
1: Yeah, that was funny.
0: And that also made me think of the ways when I feel like those little gremlins have been sitting on my pain side, Mm -hmm. you know, a day of teaching school, a week of teaching school. You know, you you begin to think everybody in the building is sitting on my pain side, (laughs) the pain side of my seesaw. So what can I do to push on the pleasure side? Yeah. And maybe we all do that, yeah. um even little things, um I find myself, if I'm frustrated with something, if I go outside and play frisbee with the dog, yeah, I feel better, right. If I stop to lie, mm, yeah. <laughs> or if I go buy a little something special, uh-huh. then that's pushing on the pleasure side.
1: Yeah. I think that's really normal, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably the balance of life. But I, I think you go back and you start looking at all of the marketing that hits us 24-7 about buying things. Like I mentioned Draper James. I had never heard of it. It's a, apparently a brand. I don't even know how I came across it. Draper James ads have been chasing me across the internet. Like, I'm getting emails, scrolling past ads. It's all over Facebook. You know, imagine that you are battling an addiction or trying not to be addicted. And it's almost impossible. Uh truly Uh is. And so... We used to have the normal ability to to do the pleasure a normal amount, seemingly, but now it's like in your face, twenty four seven. I liken it because I grew up in South Mississippi to walking into a casino constantly. Ding, ding, ding! Mm-hmm. Look over here, mm-hmm. lights, camera, action! You know, and it's
0: like the fair, yes. all the pleasures mm-hmm. right there for you. Yeah.
1: What yes. is that story? Uh, is it the one where there's sirens and like I'm a not cyclops? The, the Odyssey. So in the Odyssey, there is a point where they go into this pleasure place and there's like women and all this stuff and they, mm. they get completely lost in time. You know, it's like way back in the, in the original stories
0: that I guess that's sort of a warning of getting lost in pleasure. So you see that even in ancient times. Mm-hmm. This was always there, yeah. and now we've sort of got the science behind it. One science word that she used was homeostasis. Oh, yeah. All right, I taught ninth grade biology. (laughs) So you know this word if you were paying attention in ninth grade biology, but all living things like homeostasis, Mm -hmm. which basically is two words that mean stay the same. Mm -hmm. So stasis is to hold still. homeo is to be the same so homeostasis living things like for things to be the same and so you have this balance pain versus pleasure yeah and that's one of those conceptual things that's there so often nature seeks an equilibrium Mm -hmm. and it's true here too i've talked about this a lot with
1: people over the years because i try to seek balance and um like I said, I could have the capacity to drink too much or to shop too much or to play on mm-hmm. Facebook too much. That is within my capacity. I've noticed there's a correlation between my anxiety and shopping. I start buying too much. What I do to
0: combat that is I exercise. And she mentioned that, that exercise, exercise is um, painful. a way of giving. <laughs> yes, it's a pain to counterbalance. Yeah. Um, and I wondered about guilt. Mm. Like with shopping, Mm -hmm. if I spend too much money, I feel guilty. Yeah. And so the pleasure is balanced by the pain of guilt. Yeah. Um, I did sort of get bogged down in the middle of this book. Okay. In some of that discussion of, um, experiments.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Do you remember the marshmallow experiment with children? Yes. And, And the whole setup was, A child is left alone with a marshmallow and told not to eat it. If they don't eat it, they'll get more marshmallows later. The children who were able to resist the temptation of the marshmallow longer, when they followed them through the years, they're more successful in school and later in life. So is that resistance to the temptation or... Pain-pleasure
1: balance. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But then my mind immediately was like, children are so innocent, right? They really Mm -hmm. can't help it. So they're measuring an innate compulsion, right? Right. And that's neither here nor there. But then I immediately felt really bad for the kids who couldn't stop because that means they're already set up to have a harder time in life.
0: Is there an application for parenting? Yeah. That if you teach your child to be patient, to put off the pleasure. Right. That's That's a good question.
1: That's interesting.
0: Okay. Frederick Nietzsche said, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Mm -hmm. This was in the part where she she was talking about pain balancing pleasure. Mm. And so this idea of, Going through the problem times, going through the painful times, going through the times where you don't get everything you want mm-hmm. makes you stronger.
1: I could see that. The kids who grow up with everything maybe sometimes don't really have a the understanding of how to get those things.
0: Mm-hmm. And the kids who grow up without things maybe can value things later. And I think some people would make a case for there being a generational difference. Yeah. Because you and I are in different generations. Mm -hmm. My parents were children of the Depression. Right. And so they were tight at times. Yeah. Tight with their money. Mm -hmm. Um, Rules like clean your plate. Or eat whatever foods in front of you. Don't tell I me mean, you don't like that. Food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there probably is something to do with that. But so many other variables. Are oh there yeah, for sure. That it would be hard to absolutely tag that completely. Because
1: I grew up like not full time, but I spent so much time at my grandmother's house, mm. and so she was a product of that era as well. So, and I always tell people, my memo always says, "Do your shoes fit." Yes, ma'am, then you're fine. I don't want (laughs) to hear it because she didn't have shoes when she grew up. Mm -hmm. So my sister, my sister felt like we did without a lot as children. So she worked really hard to give her children everything that she felt like she wanted to have. As a child. Yeah. And so, you again, it goes back to tipping the scale on this side versus this side. And maybe her kids, I don't know, maybe they might grow up and say, I don't want to do it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's, a again, the homeostasis of finding a middle between the different styles,
0: maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Another thing she included on the pain side was doing things outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is painful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, but if you do it enough, then it's no longer as painful. That's true. Again, somewhere in the balance there. I saw a little thing that she wrote specifically about
1: that. She said, when we do something painful, we upregulate our body's ability to produce more endogenous dopamine. She says mild to moderate uh, examples, including exercise. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is terrible. Um, Ice water baths.
0: Oh, that, that part. And I don't mm. want to do that. No. Mm.
1: Reading a challenging book. That's a good one. Uh, or doing something that
0: makes you anxious. Talking to someone you're not comfortable with. Yeah. Making yeah. the phone call that's hard to make. Yes. And when then you make old. it, and it's not so bad after all. When I was a child,
1: I had a, um anxiety about calling people on the phone. I don't mm-hmm. know why. It was just innate in me. I it, understand that. You know what my mom did? She made me call everyone. <laughs> she had a question about the light bill. It was my job to call and ask. And you got over it.
0: Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, the radical honesty. Mm, this was a takeaway for me. Talking about it gives you power over it. Mm-hmm. And that addiction thing, hiding it, as so often happens. Mm-hmm. You've heard about the family of the alcoholic that mm-hmm. enables the alcoholism by hiding it from the community. Yeah. Um, talking about it gives you power over it. It promotes relationship and creates accountability. Yeah. But it's hard. Oh, for sure. Um, Right after I read this book, our Sunday school class did four weeks on confession. Mm. And that was one of the things they said is you can't just realize you've sinned. You have to confess it out loud and make reparation. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, that's the same thing the psychiatrist said in that book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I grew up in a home that believed in God. We went to church. And so a lot of my foundation is built around that ideology. Mm -hmm. I always used to think about it because I was so afraid of like scary things or monsters or demons. And we learned that if you name something, it gives you power over it. If you give something that name, then you're bringing it to the light. Right and
0: out of the darkness, exactly, Mm -hmm. and it's no different than anything that we've Mm -hmm. talked about. Mm -hmm. And the example she gives, the case study where she suggested this woman go to AA, Mm -hmm. and she said, "I don't need AA; I have my church."
1: Yeah, and she went
0: to the elders of her church, Mm -hmm. who really just shamed her.
1: Yeah,
0: and didn't didn't move in the circle towards mental health. Right. But Alcohol Anonymous, uh, what did she call that? Pro-social shame. That's right, yeah. AA has a pro-social shame. You admit you're an alcoholic, you come to the meetings, everyone else there is an alcoholic, and you are pushed towards a healthier place. Hmm, Have volatility. you ever watched the sitcom Moms? Mm-mm. About the group of women that are mm-hmm. in AA together. No, it sounds funny. That's pretty good. It's pretty <laughs> good. They make it funny, but they still go to their AA meetings and they support each other. Mm-hmm. And it's pro-social shaming.
1: It makes sense. Holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. That's why I do group okay. exercise classes.
0: Oh yes. I yes. couldn't. There's
1: no way I could do that on my own. Mm-hmm. I need that pressure and that um, self guilt or like. It probably sounds horrible, but I hold myself in judgment against the people in the room with me, right? So, like, for me to get to where they are, I have to show up and do what they do, right? Yeah. And then I, if I'm in the room, I certainly can't let them look better than me in, in the activity. So you me. have to try hard. Right. At, it's right. like a competitive kind Even of. Even when it
0: hurts. Yeah. <laughs> right. No,
1: well, they can't know that I'm suffering, yes. right? Yes. It's right. my pride that right. hits me. I guess that's a form of pro-social shame.
0: Mm. I think so. Uh, I take my dog for a walk. So, in a way, having the dog come along because the dog enjoys it so much makes me want to walk. Yeah. You're giving to your dog. Right. And then you're getting from your dog. Well, he's my pace car. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like walking slow. <laughs> well, that's what he's for. That's right. keep you on your toes. That's right. Well, I think it's just helpful... To understand this process, this whole dopamine process, mm-hmm. it's its the chemistry. It's just, mm-hmm. just chemistry. It's kind right. of complicated chemistry, but it's still just chemistry. Right. And that helps you understand your body better and work towards mental health. Yeah. And I think, too, we talked about it in the beginning, but... The technology,
1: the the ability to surround ourselves with all of these pleasures is not going to go away anytime soon. So I think it, it has become more and more important to understand what that does to us and have these conversations and arm ourselves with the yes. knowledge of what it is and what it's doing and how we can combat it. So yes. that is why this
0: is an important thing to talk about. And our young people, too. Yeah. Uh, if you've been around a 15-year-old lately, mm-hmm.
1: it's all about the
0: phone. TikTok. Mm-hmm. Oh my TikTok. gosh,
1: I love my sister, and I hate to sound like I keep picking on her in this thing, but she's my best friend. She's like I know everything about her, and we talk twenty four seven. So, I think she went through an addictive phase of TikTok. I mean, I told mm-hmm. her I said, "Please stop sending me TikToks." At the height of it, and it's waned now. And I, I use her as an example because I love her, but I'm sure this is many, many, many people. TikTok mm-hmm. became this just craze, and. When you look at it, it just keeps going and going and going and going. So it's you can sit there and watch a TikTok video, and then it's boom, you're on to the next one. Boom, you're uh-huh. on to the next one. Uh-huh. And it's this loop of pleasure. And you think, I'll quit after this one. Yeah. Oh, maybe after this one. Right. Just, just one more. Just yeah. one more. And they don't want to do anything else. Like, they, uh-huh. they want to sit there and watch these uh-huh. TikToks. I mean, they are hilarious. Yes. (laughs) It's easy. It's like eating nothing but cookies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly.
0: Never eating your vegetables.
1: Right. And unfortunately, that will make you extremely unhealthy.
0: Yes. Just the lack of conversation face-to-face with another person. Mm -hmm. We can't let our young people... I don't want to say, get bad at that. We can't let them lose those skills of conversation.
1: Because, too, and I was thinking about this this morning, um, there's always going to be someone out there who doesn't let their kids lose that, right? So they're training their children to look people in the eyes, to have these Mm -hmm. conversations, to call the phone company on the phone, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so their children won't have those issues, but all the kids whose parents aren't aware of this idea and training their kids, those kids are going to be at a greater disadvantage Mm -hmm. because they have been left to the TikTok watching day after day, and they're losing those skills. Right? It's almost like we talked about the kids with the marshmallows, some kids are predisposed from birth to not have the ability. They
0: they give into their compulsion and they eat the marshmallow, even knowing they would mm-hmm. get too later. Repeated behavior becomes a habit. Absolutely. And where does habit become addiction?
1: Yeah, that's like the best thing you've said on this whole podcast. Oh. Say it again.
0: Okay, okay. let me think. Um, repeated behavior becomes a habit. Yeah. And when does habit become addiction? It's true. Oh, well, it's a question. Yeah. It's so kind of scary. Where's
1: the answer? Right. Right. It's a line. It's yeah. a line that's different for everybody, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, these are the types of books and information pieces that help us understand it. Yes. So would you recommend this book to someone? Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do want to say, too, I know a lot of people maybe aren't necessarily into nonfiction, but this was a pretty easy read. So she has all these credentials, and she does all this science work, but she's really translated it in a way that's super easy to digest. Mm -hmm. Pictures, too.
0: I guess we should
1: throw a little warning that there are some pretty powerful topics. This is... um Rated mature. Yeah, I would say. Not for children. And questionably for teens, I would say this is an adult book. Yes. Because addiction spans a broad spectrum of
0: things. I would say the case studies that she has in here, I remember a high schooler, but that doesn't mean I would give the book to a high schooler. yeah.
1: It opens up on a pretty strong note. Yes. um, That that part I would rate mature. A strong
0: sex addiction. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. I think, too, you know, I have a son. He'll be 15 and, and, but those things are so worrisome because I'll get, um, not good text messages from wherever spam. I don't know. And every time I get one, I think, oh my gosh, these are being sent to our children. You know, that's the stuff that really upsets me. So again, while it's difficult and it's not something we want to know about or talk about, like it
0: Uh is here and it Uh is important to understand. And when my kids were coming along, Really, all you had to do was monitor television, and we did that by having really just one TV in the house. So if you were going to watch TV, you were out in the open where the rest of the family knew what you were watching. Right. It wasn't like today, where
1: it's at the tip of their fingertips 24-7. So again, it is really important to bring it out into the light, Mm -hmm. put a name to it, Mm -hmm. understand it, have a discussion, but this book from our recommendation is for adults. Yes. Well, I appreciate you coming up here. Um, Is there anything else you want to add? I think that's good. Okay. People, you should check out Dopamine Nation by Dr. Anna Lemke. And if you see Emily or myself on the streets, tell us that you read it and we'll give you our opinion. Yes. Have a great day and thanks for being on this podcast. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of Between the Stacks.
0: You've been listening to Between the Stacks, a podcast from the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. To hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, check out our website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.